Do you think this is the first time we actually spoke English to each other? Yep. Really? Yep. Is this the first time? I think so. Okay. First time in you guys years. just tuned into the most interesting podcast in the world. Yeah. It is so interesting. So not only have you guys captured a moment of me and this guy, which I will introduce now, speaking English to each other for the first time. In 24 years. We know each mm-hmm. other for 24 years. Mm-hmm. I would just like to welcome a regular year on the Kyle High Club, even though this is going to be the I second time, time. <laughs> we are doing this podcast. But welcome back, Rainer. Thank you. Welcome back. Thank you for coming back onto my podcast. Anytime. So my name is Kyle from the Kyle High Club. Uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed. <laughs> Slogan might have given. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You know, I, I need a catchphrase. Ooh, okay. I, I'm not. We don't. We don't. Let's not no, no, play no, no, into not. that. Let's not play into that. Air. Yeah. So the reason I got you in today is for a specific reason. This time, is you literally know me for 24 years. I have yeah. We met each other in grade one. Yep. And Tried to calculate how old we are. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Maths. We did that. Yes, we did. <laughs> So we met each other on a um, on a pole. Do you know this? Around a pole. <laughs> yeah, we were swinging around, around a pole, pole. and yep. we instantly became friends. At school. At yep. school, yes. yes we did it. We did it in grade one. Around yeah. a pole uh, in the middle of the road, like, <laughs> oh, I got one to swing around this pole. Oh, me too. Hey, nice to meet you. Hey, don't you go to that school? <laughs> All the kids that go to that. School. School swinger on poles. Yeah, that's what, what they do. do. It's a, it's a, it's pole swinging school. We should stop this. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's stop immediately yes. again. Oh man, we really suck at this English thing. I, no. I, I really thought we should start doing them in English because I wanted to make this podcast international. So mm-hmm. I did promise people in both Afrikaans and English. Well, there you go. So here we are. So what I'm gonna want to boil at right now is all right. You know me, I know you. Yeah. Semi, I don't know what you do when I don't see you. <laughs> Basically the same person. Nothing really to hide. Open book. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, open book. Yep. What page? <laughs> I don't know how many That's pages the thing, there are. Because but... a lot of people say they're open books, mm-hmm. but they only show you certain pages. Okay, cool. So turn to page 324. Thank you, Professor Movie, movie reference. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey. Woo! Nicely done. Can we, do Barry Potter fans call themselves potheads? Don't know. What do they call themselves? I don't know. Either, maybe, I think they go by the houses. So Slytherin, oh, uh, um, I'm a Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff a... there you go. I don't know, what's, what's the other one? I don't, uh, Hufflepuff, Gryffindor. Gryffindor. No, wait, Did I'm you saying, forget Gryffindor? I don't know. No, it's it's Gryffindor, uh-huh. Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw, that's the one. Yep. Hufflepuff and Slytherin. Slytherin, Slytherin, that's it. <laughs> Slytherin. Okay, so we know each other for quite a long time. And I, I stumbled upon this realization the other day where I couldn't, I was doing something, a mannerism, mm-hmm. and I was thinking to myself, I always do that. Mm-hmm. It's something I've, done since I was a kid and I don't know where it came from. What was that by the way? I I was sitting there and I I said, Oh, the evening is an embryo. Oh right, okay, yeah. Mm. And frequent occurrence. Yeah. 
um, on my previous podcast, I said it to my friend Devan, mm-hmm. right? And then the other day when I when I went home, because he brought it to my attention that I always used to say that. Mm-hmm. And then when I went home, I've got a thing where I always try to find different ways to put on my clothes. Okay. Hear me out. How many different ways are there? No, no, no. Just hear me out. Hear me out. So... I try to make my mornings interesting. I, I try I try to follow a routine, but also not. Fair enough. To keep things spicy. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I would put on my my socks and my underpants on first. Okay. Then my shirts and then my pants. Right. And then other days I would put on my my socks, pants, shoes. Mm-hmm. Then my shirt. Cool. So, you know, and I've always done that. I want and I wanted to know why. Okay. Why? Why do you do that? And I make a point of it. And then I would stand in front of the the, the mirror, and play air guitar, cool. in my outfit for the day. Nice. That I always do that. Pump up ritual. Nothing wrong with that. So, I wanted to know where it comes from and how many things, even if it's small like this, things you've done as a child that impacts your life mm. on a day-to-day basis, whether it. Be just a morning routine or something that always stuck with you that actually helped you in life. Okay. What would you say is something that always stuck with you as a child and does it have something to do with your upbringing mm. or is it something you had to learn by yourself? Okay, so complicated. So it's going to be I know a, that's a, a heavy one. question, <laughs> but we can break it up in parts. Cool. So let's maybe start with things that you picked up, let's say, subconsciously. Okay. Things that you still do to this day, um, just out of habits, if you will, um, that you picked up as a child, but that you weren't necessarily taught. Yeah. yeah. We were all taught many different things as children, obviously. Um, But a couple of things that we obviously um, developed just randomly, and that stuck with us. Okay, so... And why I like the the big why, you know. The that's that's the you know the cherry on the cake is that why. Right. Okay. So not only the why and also and the how, M- M- the C and the A. Yeah, yeah. How it impacts you, either for good or bad. Yes. Because yes. look, we are creatures of habits. Because we can create good or bad habits Absolutely. that we try to curb or you know continue to do. Right. So with reference to when you were a child. Um, creating habits, not necessarily consciously, but maybe, I mean, due to circumstances, some stuff like that. I would say that's a huge part of, well, where you are as an adult. Okay. So, let's reference this in this manner. Okay, so the, the Jesuits, for instance. Jesu- okay. Jesuits? Jesuits. Like however you pronounce it. So, they had this saying, I think they still do, but they've had it for like hundreds of years, literally. Where they would go, the priest would say that, give me the child up until the age of seven years old and I will show you the man. Okay. So basically what they, obviously it was a religious thing. So basically they believed if you can install a religious belief or a set of mannerisms or habits or whatever into a child before the age of seven. Okay. That would stick with him throughout his life. Because uh, be no, like they believe program. that children absorb a lot at that yeah, age. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you look at for instance, the psychological literature, it's quite clear. So when children are between the ages of well, zero and seven, their brain waves are very different than ours. So 
in our daily lives, we are constantly in beta brainwaves, mostly high beta when you're stressed and when you're just chilled like normal beta. And then obviously just before you go to sleep, you go through alpha, theta, and the deep sleep is delta. Okay, so we basically live our lives in beta. Now children live, live their lives in mostly alpha and sometimes theta. What's also interesting is when you go under hypnosis, they take you through alpha and theta. That's how you get hypnotized. So that opens up the doorway to your subconscious mind, your okay. psyche, if you will. Now, children are constantly in that state from zero to seven years old. So the they, sense of wonder. Wonder. So when you are in alpha or theta, highly imaginative. Um, so imagination has no bounds whatsoever. Um, which is why children can sit around an empty table, empty chairs with mud cakes, and it's a proper tea party to them. They they live that experience as an yes. actual tea party, right? Yeah. So that's their very strong imagination, and that's why. Because they are functioning in alpha and theta, mostly alpha. So, But you could also argue then that they are in a constant perpetual state of hypnosis, Oh, okay. So any, I like going on this. Yeah, so anything that they experience, anything that they get taught in that state goes directly into the subconscious mind. Yes. And also the literature shows us that in our daily lives, 5% of our conscious thought is conscious. Mm. 95% of our thoughts and behaviors are subconscious. So kind you're of not like aware you, of that. It's kind of like all of these years you've been programming yourself to be on inverted commas on autopilot right that's exactly what it is so the brain is lazy by nature and it likes this is why you form habits because the brain doesn't like to overwork itself yeah, yeah. so 95 percent of it is just habitual um habitual way of living if you will yeah, yeah. so that's it so then children th that's where you start your development in an, in a perpetual state of hypnosis yeah, yeah. absorbing absolutely everything in your surrounding and then that forms you as a person now what little thing mannerisms let's say mannerisms mm -hmm. from a child has stuck with you through all of the years something s small maybe like brushing your teeth using the same hand following the same patterns over and over again without thinking about it mm. You brush your teeth exactly the same way every single day without thinking about it. Starting in the same, let's say, right-hand corner, um, upper right-hand corner and working your way around your mouth, exactly the same way. This is like this for most of us. Okay. It's one um, habit. Um, and then it can range to bigger things like, I don't know, short temper, for instance. Yeah. Short temper is something that is not just intrinsic to your um personality well that is how our personality was formed in the first place but a short temper can definitely be a reaction to that which you were exposed to as a child how many how many things of of your childhood and i'm saying the word things mm -hmm. because it can be anything right from a memory mm -hmm. um, of someone else or a memory of yourself has influenced your lifestyle today? Oh, I would say. Whether it be advancing yourself in life or just, right. you know, motivating or inspiring yourself to achieve certain things. Mm. Honestly, I would say, well, 
when I'm thinking about it, I don't know, but I imagine a very large portion of it. I would think it's hard to think about something specific, but um, I suppose when you get general with it, it would be anything from your values, everything like your value system. Okay. That is definitely something that you've. So would you say, um, okay, there's values. Okay. So let's focus on that quickly. Right. So a lot of your values are taught from your parents. Right. Presumably. Pretty um, <laughs> yeah, presumably. Or you, you, you know, a lot of people are raised by the TV. True. Literally. Yep. Um, yep. I emulated a lot from the TV right. because it was my little emotional escape. You know, mm-hmm. it was very, very easy to go switch on the TV if you don't want to deal with reality right. or anything like For that. For me, it was music. Exactly. Yeah. Same here. And, you know, TV was, when I was a small little child, it was easy to see pictures and, you know, comprehend pictures and the older you get the more you find value in things like music right so your values mm-hmm. how many percentage if you have to put it in a percentage right. was stuck with you from parents mm-hmm. and how many did you learn yourself oh, through 90, trial and error 90 percent through upbringing i would say okay honestly i think um because that is your percent parents yeah well, okay. parents are bringing just childhood memory and experiences. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Because um, your value structure, what you deem to be right and wrong, is directly correlated with that. And it's quite a strong thing because, I mean, you won't, in, as a child growing up and even in your teen years straight through to adulthood, you wouldn't necessarily um, engage in something that you know, I quote unquote, know morally to be wrong, right? Yeah, it's very unlikely. Or you might engage in it and feel guilty. Why do you feel guilty? Because there's something deep inside of you that's just kicking against. But also it. your values, your values and your morals aren't like a a, a semester or a year. Like no. this is your moral year, you know. Yeah. It's something you learn throughout the throughout the years, where certain aspects of a topic, mm-hmm. where it be morals, mm-hmm. emotions. Yep. Uh, interactions with uh, people in social uh, circumstances, the older you get, the better you can comprehend certain information, certain amounts of data. Right. So your perspective on a certain topic changes throughout the years. It does. I think you start out from a baseline. So the baseline is what was formed in your childhood. And then you kind of add on to that. Your foundation. Your foundation. I don't think you completely obliterate everything that you've learned as a child. Quite the contrary. I think you just add on and maybe engage in a more sophisticated um, sifting process of what you have already learned. But you always start from that premise. Yeah. Like, for instance, um, you know, being Afrikaans, you come from a very strict upbringing. Yes. Like, Afrikaans parents tend to be very formal with their children. Very stringent, very... um, Rigid. Yeah. I'm not saying formal Mostly. in the sense of, you know, yeah, you have to do this the whole time. You know, mm-hmm. there are parents like that. Sure. But you know, the older I, I grew up with my grandparents mm-hmm. and they were very old school mm. and you know, children should be seen, not heard. Right. Yep. And you know, if people come over, you sit there, you don't say anything, mm-hmm. you ask them if they want coffee. But I wouldn't do that now because times have changed with right. elderly people, but you still have that respect. Right, yeah. So you go from that foundation, mm-hmm. 
And I comprehended that data in a sense of have respect for your elders. Right. But you don't have to necessarily have respect to someone who doesn't have respect for themselves. I see, that is where it gets interesting. That is where compounded experience starts to kind of morph that belief. Yeah. So it doesn't take away the whole belief that you should have respect for an elder. That's still there intrinsically. But the older you get, the more you can choose for yourself. Right. And you... Obviously, based on life experiences, you let's say that you maybe learn that, look, not everyone deserves respect or respect is not demanded, it's earned. But there's still this intrinsic thing that maybe you start off from the basis of, I'll respect you until you do something that makes me not respect you instead of the opposite. Like your moral compass is adjusted by your journey. Basically, yes. You told me um, earlier something about um, you meditation and remembering memories from your childhood right so okay so for those that don't know it by now <laughs> this is only the second episode but still i'm a um i'm a very avid uh, meditation nerd i love meditation what um, is the collective name of people meditating I don't meditators <laughs> i'm a meditator <laughs> yeah I'm a meditator there you go so okay yes i'm an avid meditator and um I, I use it as a tool. Um, it's not a religious practice or anything like that. It's literally just a tool to kind of explore the mind and explore different ways of being, I suppose. Basically... To train the mind. Let's, let's say that. To train the mind. I think this is going to be a common theme in most of my podcasts. I think so. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think people can just get the gist of it. We don't do it spiritually. No, no. It's It's a tool in a toolbox of multiple tools basically for self-improvement but so yes um i've discovered this interesting new method of meditation and long story short without going through the whole process it basically teaches you to engage with and tap into deeper different specific deeper emotions specifically love and compassion okay so the goal is to basically get yourself for the lack of a better description, flooded over by love and compassion in, in that state of meditation. Okay, so, interesting thing that I discovered um, quite by accident was starting um, to do this meditation about a week ago. Um, the first thing that I saw, again, you go into meditation not necessarily um, searching for a specific outcome. It's more of kind of surrendering through the process and let happen whatever may. And what happened with me was, look, I don't have a lot of memories of my childhood, funnily enough. Mm. Um, I, don't, I have to remind you. You do. Again. Yeah. I don't recall a heck of a lot of it for some other weird reason. I don't know why yet. Hopefully so I can, I'll I can have make up memories now. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> Screw me up even more. I'm trying to figure <laughs> this stuff out. But anyway. But so, yeah. Um, don't have a lot of memories as a child from my childhood and the first thing that started happening after doing this meditation is memories just started flooding back um but what's interesting though is when you look at how long-term memories are formed just from a neuroscientific point of view um long basically what happens is if you couple a very strong emotion either positive or negative with a certain event that happened your brain basically smashes those two together and then files them. That's how a long-term memory gets formed. That's why people either consciously or unconsciously always remember traumatic experiences or very 
uplifting experiences, th- those always stand out. You don't remember all the little details like day to day, but those ones really stand out. So yes, emotions are intrinsically linked to memories. And I think what happened with me was when I started getting in touch with a deeper level of these specific emotions, very specific memories started flooding back. All positive. So, so all of your memories, those long-term memories were like in a purgatory basically because yeah. you couldn't access them on demand. No, exactly. Like the deep pit of the subconscious. But why, why would you say, what do you think caused them to be hidden like that? I don't know. That's something I'm still kind of not struggling with, but I'm very intrigued by it. Because okay. it, again, just looking at the psychological literature, it can be one of many different things. Anything from a traumatic experience, which you don't remember, like when you block out certain yeah. memories, your brain blocks out certain memories in order to preserve your sanity, basically. So, so it's kind of like a, a self-defense mechanism. Yes, 100%. Um, so it can be something like that. I don't recall anything like that, but then again, I won't. I wouldn't. Uh, but I'm hoping to one day figure that out. If yeah. there, there was something that happened or if it was just, I don't know, me not caring and it just kind of fades away into the background. I don't know. It can be any one of those. So you say the most of the memories that came back were positive. Positive, yes, because they were linked, obviously, with the positive emotions which I was engaged with. And what what are you going to do with these? Are you just going to, hey, this is cool? Or, or did you learn from some of them? So in the beginning, it was kind of just a question of, or, or a case of, well, it was, this is kind of cool. I don't know what's happening, but I kind of like it. Uh-huh, I remember of, now. Yeah, like, this is, quite, <laughs> this is quite novel. But then it got me thinking. So a lot of these memories were quite specific. People, um, situations, you know, stuff like that, and, but very specific. And thinking about these emotions or these um, memories as a whole, did kind of get me thinking along the lines of this definitely did have an impact on me as a person to this day. Even though I didn't remember them until like a week ago, I could see how they would have aided or contributed to my forming as a person. So that I found very interesting. So that's something that I definitely want to explore a bit more. Okay. Because I was thinking about that exact thing the other day. Because... I'm a very nostalgic person. Right. And I like to bottle certain phases of my life Mm -hmm. and use that as inspiration to achieve different goals in my life. Right. So I would see, for instance, I used to do karate. Right. And I still have the medals. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I look at the medals and reminisce and like, ah, that was fun. Good but, days. Yeah, good, times. good old times. Haha, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> my nose used to bleed all the time. <laughs> right. You you came with uh, a couple of those, those tournaments. Those, those I actually do remember. And, Very um, But I was thinking to myself, okay, here I was, one of the youngest black belts in that type of karate at that time. I remember that as well. Which is quite an achievement. Yeah. Which I kind of blew off. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's cool, whatever. Never was a big deal to you, honestly. No. It was just like, yeah, I'm the smallest one in the group, but yeah. Like, whatever, man. Yeah. Don't hit me too hard. <laughs> like, come on, guys. <laughs> but, you know, to be that emotionally mature at that age, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the reason why my grandfather, my grandfather took me to karate yep. was he thought it's a sense of discipline. 
Right. Which isn't absolutely. Which is wonderful. Yeah. And I didn't, I couldn't um, really comprehend that data, that information right. that was given to me. I was just having fun, mm -hmm. and you know, and you. That, that, that fear of doing something wrong was there because we used to get whipped by the sensor, right. by the by the belt. We had to do bunny hops. Uh -huh. And sometimes he would pair you up with someone who is bigger than you mm -hmm. um, just because he did something wrong. Right. But <laughs> I, would th I would see myself at that age and think to myself, what is keeping me from achieving anything at this age mm -hmm. where at that young age I've achieved that and I blew it off. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I was... I was very blasé about it. Mm -hmm. So what's preventing me from achieving other things? And would you say there are so certain aspects of your childhood, of your younger life, that is actually kind of motivating yourself as being like a, a beacon, as a, as a reference point for you to actually browse through, see that reference, and be like, you know what? Okay, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this goal of mine. I'm going to try and achieve it because, you know what? Younger me was at a much better level to achieve things? Or how do you process information like that? I think that was spot on, actually, thinking about it now. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. Yes, there was definitely, I think this is the common sense of wonder that children just have. I mean, they literally, broadly speaking, they just believe anything can be done. They don't rationalize too much. They just think something up and then go for it. There's no... I mean, you could argue that there's no logical thought behind it. It's just a, you know, a fantasy or whatnot. But, I mean, if you don't know, you can't do something, and then you just stumble along, and then hey, it gets done by accident. Yeah. There's some utility to that, I think. Um, I don't know. Was the movie Forrest Gump or something? Um, that guy was completely oblivious to everything that happened around him, but yet he succeeded. Bro, Very childlike, right? That, no. You know, do you know how mature Forrest Gump actually really is? He invested when he was supposed to. He invested in Apple. Right. You Not know? knowing that it was Apple, he thought it was a fruit company. Yeah, but <laughs> he invested when he needed to invest. Right. He ran all of those amounts of times without knowing why he was running, but mm -hmm. he inspired people to right. doing that. So that's very childlike. Everything he'd done, he conquered. For instance, ping yep. pong. Yep. He, he inspired people from a child. He even inspired Elvis to do certain things. Right, right. And he still had that childlike that's type it. thing. So that's why I said so there's definitely a lot of utility to that, I think. Not being ignorant, but, I don't know, believing in the impossible. As corny as that may sound, but I do think that is the way to go. So, for me personally, I think, okay, I've started, I started playing drums when I was four years old. And, um, I mean, thinking about it now, like starting to learn how to play a new instrument now seems like a monumental task. Like what kind of adult has the time and the, the, the willingness and the, um, I don't know. Like, time. Geez, yeah, the will basically <laughs> to do it, right? And, but yet, I mean, as a child, you were like, I mean, I want to play drums. I, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And looking at the time and dedication I put into that, that to me is quite inspiring. Not but, ever thinking that I won't be able to do it. It was just a question of, yeah, just try it out. Can I just tell you one of the most beautiful things on this planet I have w personally witnessed? Mm -hmm. right? You know where I'm going with this. I do. This you is why what? I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> 
People go and see you blush That's on a podcast. Yeah, it's for the best, I suppose. Well, now they know. Now they know. <laughs> no, but for me, it, it truly was one of the most beautiful things, your metamorphosis in this instrument. For instance, I came to your house when I was still in grade one. Your mom showed me a baby video. Mm, the were, video. Yeah, but... Yeah, that was what I was You got about. drums. You got drums at, what, age... Four years old. Four yeah. years old, right? My fourth birthday. But you were excited. You were like, yes! Out of my mind. Yeah. drums you know you were so excited but still to this day you are that excited yeah, about this changed. instrument that never changed but how many people still go with something you know mm -hmm. how many people still choose something this is the thing i'm gonna do and i'm gonna continue doing this that's Not a lot of people thing. can say that that's true and i mean if from for myself i mean if i try to think about that in a sense of how do I implement that sense of wonder and amazement and just total bliss, really. How do you incorporate that into your daily life? Because look, I can do, if I can take any part of my life, any part of my life, and pursue it with the same amount of passion and just, you know, everything good that was surrounding the whole drums theme in my life, man, yeah. like, just, that would be amazing. Sky's but the limits because do you think do you think now that it's interesting that you mentioned Forrest Gump, mm -hmm. right? And how a lot of intelligent people are depressed. Right? The most intelligent people are the most um, depressed according so to psychological do you think literature. You, people need to find a, a middle point between knowledge mm -hmm. and ignorance. I wouldn't say ignorance, I would say blissful a blissful state. For instance, Forrest Gump still had that childlike sense of wonder yes and 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 he, he wasn't a, he wasn't a smart man no okay but he achieved all of those things correct for instance um if you think about it could knowledge be our downfall in the sense of too much of it can be a bad thing for instance mm -hmm. you as a child you're a baby you know you're a baby mm -hmm. no one Tells physically tells you you need to walk. No, it's intrinsic. But every single time when you fall down on your ass, you cry. Mm -hmm. You try again and get up, and Without you try any to motivation. Walk. It just it comes naturally. You don't rationalize at that age. You no. don't think like I need to do this to survive. No. You don't get motivated. You just think you need to do it. And, and the more you fall on your ass, the more you cry, you still do it. Mm -hmm. How many people still has that mindset to keep doing something until they succeed? No one. Yeah, that's quite sad. Look, You can look at it like this as well. So the child obviously sees its parents walking around on two feet. Mm -hmm. So that might be the inspiration. And But no one ever told the child that you can't do it. He just but, believes that he can because he sees other people doing it, so he doesn't question it. He just goes for it. But with knowledge, let's say with knowledge and the child has got rationality, mm -hmm. if the child has got rationality and think, you know what, maybe walking is not for me. Right, right. That's that's where it gets a bit dicey. And I think that's, a, that's what we as people do a lot of times. Um, referring back to the, to the beginning of this conversation, things that happen to you as a child that kind of warp or influences your belief system, your way of thinking. So, for instance, let's say you had a traumatic experience as a child, right? Um, I don't know. Um, okay, so athletics in school, for instance. You were always the slow We never kid. did it. How did we... 
Oh, I did. When forced. I, yeah, I, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> there were. I, somehow you. I know you had a letter. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. No. You got out of it as well. <laughs> no. no I, My friend's got a letter. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, but who's going to keep Rainer company? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Be civil about this. No, but okay. So back to the example, though. <laughs> so let's say, for instance, you ran. I don't know, however long those races were. You were the slow kid, right? Um, You just lost all the time. And maybe, let's say that was so traumatic to you that that discouraged you from doing any form of exercise as an adult. Very possible. Sounds far-fetched, but very possible. But that's at subconscious. It is. It's a subconscious manifestation where a certain event, it can be a teacher yelling at you or it can be... You fell so hard that day that all of your air was out of your lungs and you couldn't right. breathe. And that can subconsciously stay stick with you without so, you knowing it. So situation coupled with a strong emotion, long-term memory. And even though those memories do get suppressed, I mean, it kind of fades into the background in your subconscious mind. It's still there. And it controls, according to the literature, 95% of your daily life. So your semi-conclusion would be you know, your subconscious just grabs on arbitrary parts of your life yep. and that's somehow linked to what you do um, on autopilot in your day-to-day life. 100%. 100%. Well, that's what the literature shows us, which is another reason, well, to, to bring this um, back to the point that we were making, um, with knowledge. So I think there's a tipping point when it comes to knowledge because mm-hmm. in my experience, well, this is how I think about it, Knowledge is the precursor to experience, but precur- experience is the precursor to wisdom. So I think if we can uh, not overcome, but not get stuck with just the knowledge, but we can get to a point of wisdom, that's where a, a tipping point comes in, a balancing that tipping point. That tipping point is really interesting. It's kind of like a, um, let's say a filter. Right. So you take this filter, how you process information. Mm-hmm. So you can either process information as irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I do need to remember this. Right. Or you can actually process it long term, like you like you said, in, in in your subconscious. Right. Right. So everybody processes information differently. Mm-hmm. So we can watch the same movie. Right. But you can have a good experience and I can have a bad so, experience. Yes. So that precursor you speak of Everybody processes information differently. And I yes. think that is also the foundation that you would, uh, uh, brought um, to my attention in the beginning where your foundation, mm-hmm. your values, that's part of building that filter of how you process information. 100%. Uh, think about it like this, another way of thinking about it. So let's say everything that built up in those first seven years of your life. Let's call them, instead of a filter, call them a pair of glasses. Everything you see in life goes through that yes. filter, th- those pair of, pair of glasses. If you wear pink glasses, everything's going to look pink from your perspective. Mm. So if you grew up in a horrible environment, so let's say where you were the victim growing up, victim of your circumstances, victim of your environment, well, then you're going to see the whole world through the lens of a victim. Unfortunately. Until you actually come to a point where you decide 
that's so difficult because in the immortal words of Dr. Phil, <laughs> you cannot change what you don't acknowledge. Uh -huh. First have to acknowledge it. Yeah. And for, for you to be able to acknowledge it, you have to see it to begin with. This is the difficult part because the subconscious is called the subconscious for a reason. It is the unconscious part of your brain. Mm. It's very, 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 very hard to access. Yeah. But an easy way to access that subconscious part of yourself, I would say. This is something that really helped me a lot. So if you want to know what programs are running in the background that you're not aware of, try on a daily basis to observe yourself from a, from a bystander's perspective. Every little thing you do, how you react in certain situations, and ask yourself the question, why am I doing this in this way, and why do I react to certain situations in a certain way? That's why I um, like um, remembering my childhood and remembering yeah. the past. Right. For instance, right? It's very helpful. So I would remember and see things, for instance, videos. Mm. I would watch a video of myself or look at a photo of myself. That's scary. I did that one time. It freaked me out so much because, sorry to interrupt you, but yes, I saw that that right there that behavior was the precursor to this thing exactly yeah. that's the reference points i'm talking about yeah. because and that, and that, that, that also falls in with your theory of the glasses for instance mm. and how we process information yeah. so now i'm looking at myself as a third person yeah exactly and i remember i what, what i did and how i felt what i went through at that time yeah and i am testament right now of what happened right. you know I, I, I can't say... It's like time traveling. Exactly. It is literally that. But I use my past as a reference point and um, that third, third person view that you are talking about mm. to, you know, acknowledge certain, certain things in my life currently right. and, you know, just think about it a little bit and think like, okay, you know, I was during, during this time of my life, I did this and this happened. At this time of my life, I did this and this happened. Mm -hmm. Perhaps I'm going to try something different or I can do the same thing and get the same result. Exactly. Who knows? Oh, uh, again, the immortal words of Sir Einstein, Albert Einstein. <laughs> doing was the same he nice? I don't know. No, Why it was you call him Sir? Because I wanted to. <laughs> he deserves the respect of a Sir. <laughs> I, 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 don't quote <laughs> us on this, but what's he nice? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Was okay, but anyway, <laughs> the queen the has always been alive, guys. Yes, obviously, <laughs> she never dies. <laughs> so, uh, in the immortal words of um, Einstein, <laughs> doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, is the definition of insanity. Yeah, don't be insane. Try to see the patterns in your life. Try to, well, identify them, and then ask yourself the question. Am I liking the outcomes of this specific set of habits or patterns? If yes, don't change a thing. If no, well, try There's, something um, It's one thing, we, we spoke about this earlier, but I do want to bring it into the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, like the chasm. Oh, the chasm. The yes. chasm. So what we, what we do is it's like a, a chasm. What we talk about, it's a giant gray line, like yes. a, a kilometer wide gray line. The Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon of gray, gray areas, yes. right? So, 
there is a fine line between childlike. Mm-hmm. I'm very childlike. Yes, I'd say so. I would hope me too. <laughs> I, I would. I would call it Peter Pan syndrome. Oh, okay. We can have a long talk about that. Right. Okay. But and childish. Yes. Yes. So, I have a tiny little theory, mm-hmm. my own personal theory, yeah. and I don't know if if someone knows a better word for this theory, and if this theory exists, please let me know. Cool. Or you can let me know. Cool. If, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> you read a lot. I do. I read semi a lot. Uh, I like reading. Anyway. <laughs> So, a lot of people struggle to let go of the past, right. which makes them very childish in the sense yes. of, you know, I'm not going to steer it. I'm going to try not to stereotype and try, try and, you know, choose my words very carefully uh, right. because I might tread on some very thin ice in certain circumstances. Right. But there are some people who tend to hold on to the past and remember the good times, you know, good and just live in the past, you know, mm. they still listen to the same music, you right. know, they still talk about how cool they were and how great that was and how great that was, mm. but that's forcing them to stagnate emotionally and in life. Sure. So here's the thing. Yes, you do stagnate. You do stay in the proverbial one single place. You stand still, if you will. Uh, you don't progress in Phil Collins is proverbial paradise. What? Phil Collins is proverbial paradise. I don't know what that means. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry. Well, my brain was completely elsewhere in that split second. Oh, I, I've got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. okay. <laughs> anyway, so let's continue. So yes, you you do stand still in a sense. You don't grow. You don't. You stagnate, as you said. Here's the problem. Life doesn't. Mm. The only constant in life is change. The world is ever-changing. Um, and you will get left behind. So stagnation, in a sense, um, whether it be just socially, interpersonally, financially even, um, socially, um, mentally, um, emotionally. If you stagnate, technically you're moving backwards because the world is not waiting for you. But the reason why I call it a chasm and why it's why I want to create the image of it being that big is through trial and error, some people it takes a month, some people it takes a year, some people it takes 10 years to realize, you know what, I need to let go of certain things and move forward. Right. You know, and that's that filter I'm talking about. Take that information of the past Use it as an advantage. Mm-hmm. Don't try and bottle that stuff on, uh, and hold on for it too long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that I'm not saying a lot of people are childish, like don't grow up. I'm just saying mentally you don't grow as a person. Mm-hmm. And I think um, another thing I, uh, we were talking about earlier and that I want to bring into the podcast is even friends you've mm-hmm. known your whole entire life can lose flavor. Right. Because some people take longer to realize they need to move on from the past than other. And, you know, so sometimes it's awkward to meet, to, to see old friends again because yeah. they are in a whole new different wavelengths. I'm very thankful that we are still friends. I I've mean, no idea how this happened, but it's good so far. So yeah, let's keep it going. Let's not stop, you know, <laughs> no, and, and that's, 
I think that's why I wanted to bring you into the podcast as well, because how do you, how do you look at your past, learn from it, and move on? Like Rafiki did. Rafiki? Ah, yes. He, when he smashed um, Simba on the head? Yes. He said, yes, the past can hurt. Right. But you can either run from it or learn from it. Yes. That's it. That was such a profound moment it in was. my childhood. I mean, Disney movies, man. Yeah. They've got a lot of wisdom in them. But anyway, so, yeah. I mean, that's, again, very complicated. Um, so, learn from the past, obviously, is the better way to go, I would say. Because, again, life is ever-changing. And if you get left behind, I mean, that's not good. So, learning from the past, I mean, that you can only do so through wisdom. There's this old saying that goes, the only thing that makes growing older worthwhile is the wisdom. I mean, that's profound in my, in my estimation because you, you won't be able to learn from the past and move on and walk into something better if you don't apply some form of wisdom. Um, I think a lot of times where people get stuck is on the emotional end pertaining to the past. So emotional growth is very important. It's a very, very big first step, I would say. Um, it takes a lot to um, look at yourself and accept yourself. Oh, it's horrifying. A lot of people, and I think that's why there are a lot of people still addicted to alcohol. You know, right, yeah. There's a lot of people addicted to um, anything that causes anything that escape. causes escape. Yes, yeah, yeah. you know, even whether it be social media. Right. Or whether it, whether it be weed or it can be Whatever. any it can be anything yeah. literally it can be anything Fruit. even even hiking yeah. even hiking Fruit. or or Exercise. going to the gym yeah exercising because it takes a lot out of someone to actually look at yourself and accept yourself I think that's one of the hardest things anyone can do on this planet is looking at yourself and accepting you for who you are so this is my view on acceptance 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 stems from understanding it's very difficult to accept anything including yourself if you don't understand yourself and that's basically where my journey of introspection began because yeah yeah it's it's difficult to accept yourself especially given that you don't always see yourself in such a positive light you know you look at situations and things around you in your life and you're like ah, you know this isn't all that great i'm such a failure and what 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 but i mean something contributed to that end result if you don't understand yourself if you don't understand where you, why you have ended up where you are it's going to be very difficult to understand um, or, and then obviously ultimately to accept so That's understanding also, is, it comes first i think so that brings me to, you know that old proverb, um, a man never um, steps in the same river twice? Right. So, that's got, two that's got two phases, right? Yeah. Because it's got that acceptance and understanding in it. For right. instance, you are, the man never walks in the same river twice. The man accepts that the river is ever flowing. Right. But understanding... That he also wasn't the same man since exactly. he last stepped in that river. Exactly. That is where the introspection comes from. Right. The realization that, wow, not only is it the river that changed, I also changed. So Absolutely. your circumstances has changed. Even though you stepped five steps and you walk back into the river, 
you step five steps out of that, you're not the yep. same person you were either. Correct, correct. So yes, um, again, bringing it back to the whole childhood influence thing on your life today. Well, that's the first thing I would say. That's a good starting point to at least understand yourself and be patient with yourself because I think people are way too hard on themselves. Broadly mm, especially me. Everyone. Yeah. Honestly, everyone. So... Yes, be kind to yourself. Be patient with yourself. Try and understand rather than just condemn. Because we are so quick to condemn ourselves. We are our own worst critics. Everyone. Even the quote-unquote beauty queen and you know homecoming queen that you see in the movies. All perfect and all that. No. I mean, you are your own worst critic. All the time. So, be kind to yourself. Try to understand and not just beat yourself down. And then actually try to look for the answers. You know, I mean, go go out, do some introspection. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. But yes, go out and do introspection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that yes. is such a contradiction. Uh, I know, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Go out. Go out. So and, uh, I'm confusing everyone right now. But okay, so do some introspection. Be patient with yourself. Try and figure out why you are the way you are. And then, but not to judge just to understand and then from that understanding i solely believe that i don't know maybe a sense of compassion will form towards yourself start caring about yourself a bit more you know i think the key word uh, over there is patience patience absolutely it takes a long time <laughs> i know i'm not patient with myself because i know what i've accomplished in my life I look back on some of my accomplishments. I look back on my failures. Mm -hmm. I see what I've accomplished. I see where I've failed. Now, I've got things that I want to accomplish. Right. And I'm not patient with myself. I'm very hard on myself. You know, sometimes it's very easy to neglect your accomplishments yeah. and feel like a, fa a failure when you don't accomplish your things that you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. But you actually need to just take a step back and, and, and tell yourself, listen, man, you are not that bad of a person. No. You can do this. Just be patient with yourself. And I think a lot of people will be at more peace if they are patient with themselves. Right. And again, tying this into this whole conversation about the whole childhood experience, if you will, I mean, when you're a child, you're not rushed by anything. Not really. I mean, you spend so much time within yourself, really, within your own head, in your own emotions. I think we lose that when we grow older. We, we get sidetracked by everything and everyone around us, more so than just looking inward every now and a while. And every time we do, we tend to beat ourselves up. I mean, that's not helpful. I'm getting a giant brain fart now. Brilliant. Do share. <laughs> you know, when people say, get in touch with your inner child, I mean, it's true. Yeah. And wow. the reason, obviously, why would you do that? Not just to coddle the poor child and, oh, he was you know, such a good child and but such a horrible person. No, I mean, it's trying to get to know yourself as a person from the beginning. Yeah. And trying to figure out why you ended up where you are. I mean, if you ended up in a good place, then that's great. Um, I have not met anyone without their fair share of issues, myself yeah. included. So... Getting to know yourself as a child again, trying to at least view the journey from an objective perspective. See what happened. Why did certain things happen? 
can you go back in the past and change what happened? No. But then again, you don't have to because you have more wisdom now. You have more you can knowledge go, now. You can go into the past and change your current yes. circumstances. Yes, you can change who you are and that will ultimately influence the outcome of your future. Um, music is my time capsule. Same. And I would listen to certain types of music or certain songs would come up and I would remember a time I would listen to it or I would remember a situation yes I used to enjoy that song or an emotion just an emotion not with, with without any form of um, reference to what happened but just the emotion yes or like certain smells would trigger certain emotions and yeah. of course a lot of people would if I listen to a song and I would get happy and people are like, mm. what? what? How could this song right. make you happy? Yeah. But you, it triggers that little tiny spark of a moment that you experienced and that song made you happy or that song made you sad. Mm -hmm. But that song can make that type of, that small little spark of a memory so mm. vivid. So true. And people really should pay more attention to that. Um, honestly, whatever you can do to get back in touch with whatever is hiding in that subconscious mind of yours you should it's how you get to know yourself better it's how you get to understand yourself better and i mean emotion kind of is the way to go again just looking at the literature emotion is what connects you to that past self that's buried deep down in your subconscious and you need to reconnect with that you need to get in touch with that form a new relationship with that person i don't know why but for some other reason i mean i kind of do know why just for myself but people tend to want to bury the past mm -hmm. and i don't think that's productive i think you should i don't want to let the past that. i don't want to let the past go in the sense of you know what the hell with that stuff right. i'm doing something new especially the bad stuff get back in touch with that and deal with whatever baggage was there because it's still there unfortunately I think um, the bad stuff, whether it be psychologically bad or just emotionally bad or physically bad stuff, right. has got a much bigger impact on you than you think. Huge. I mean, this brings this conversation basically full circle. 95%, according to the psychologists, of who you are, how you are, the way you think, the way you act, and the way you present yourself to the world. It's all based on the part of yourself that you don't really know. Or because it, it, subconscious. So, our little filter, our glasses. Yes. So, it needs to take something big for you to either choose, you know what, I'm going to continue wearing these glasses or I'm going to take them off. So, here's the thing. Normally, yes. Um, like a traumatic experience, for example. Uh, this is why near it doesn't death. Need to, it doesn't need to necessarily be traumatic. No, no, no. But so, so it doesn't need to be big either. So if it happens unconsciously or unplanned, right, or something happens out of your control, that ha has like a, a view-shattering effect. This is why people that have near-death experiences, to take it to the very end of the spectrum, that always changes their lives profoundly. Now, you don't necessarily need that to make that change. But I believe what happens in a situation like that or in a traumatic situation, it just kind of blows everything out of the water again. and Everything resurfaces. All of the emotions attached to the emotion that you're experiencing right now, it's exactly the same circuits in your brain. They're all interconnected. 
and then but I everything also see, comes flooding back. I also see something big. For instance, um, like something my grandfather always used to say to me. Yeah. And realizing with the knowledge I have right now what he meant. Mm, yes. I see that as that's something big. Valuable. Yeah. That can also be something big Absolutely. with me. And that's kind of like that where we where we talked about that information mm -hmm. the process we can't yeah. process the information at a certain age right. or a certain time of your life right. you need to grow emotionally to take life lessons given to you previously right. it's kind of like a movie you're watching again so coming back to that chasm mm -hmm. that giant gray area right right a lot of people stay in a certain mindset mm -hmm. a certain you know plateau emotional plateau right. where they will be able to watch that movie over and over and over again but they won't see the value in it right yeah and i think something for me to realize that that was something big mm. i had to grow somewhat emotionally to realize that to click to click that Absolutely, yeah. And Definitely. I think if people stay in that emotional plateau, they wouldn't be able to experience certain things in life on an emotional level to allow them to grow or to open up, certain, um, uh, you know, like you or normally say, to set yourself up for success. Right, right. You won't be able to grow emotionally to a point where you can actually interact with people onto a level to set yourself up for better circumstances. Agreed. And again, that's where the whole exploring the emotions of the past comes in because you can't move forward if you haven't dealt with all of the issues of the past, specifically the emotional issues. So that is why, in my opinion, it is so important to reconnect with that, work through that, use the newly gained experience um, and wisdom and information to better deal with the things that you weren't equipped to deal with in your past and actively strive for that. It's a daily thing. Obviously, it's not just a <laughs> do a quick half an hour meditation and now I'm enlightened. Yeah. It's, it's moving through the process slowly, surely, being patient with yourself and just surrendering to the process while constantly being engaged with it. I think it's really important to get in touch with things that used to make you happy. Yes, definitely. Yes. Realizing what currently makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Also notice what changed, yeah. why certain things don't make you happy anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, learn from it in a way to better yourself. Yes. Also, I would add to that. So happiness is great, but it's fleeting. So, as course, an adult, as an adult, I think it's very important to I, also... I think it all boils down to your perspective of happiness. True, but I think as, a, as an adult especially, it would be helpful if you can couple the pursuit of quote-unquote happiness with the pursuit in meaning as well. Yes. Meaning is very important. So, obviously, meaning can be derived from many different things, um, whether it be your career, your um, relationship, intimately, or just socially. But finding meaning in your life, finding a reason to get up in the morning, good enough reason to get up in the morning because for a lot of people that's even a struggle, whilst still trying to reconnect with what makes you tick. What makes you tick? It's kind of a, the balance between a job and a hobby, you know?
getting the differentiating between emotional value and tangible value. Right. Well, yes. So getting that balance right. Um, doing what makes you happy. Yes, absolutely. Finding what makes you happy. Exploring new possibilities in which to find a sense of happiness, but at the same time, not um, not missing um, the need for striving to achieve some sort of meaning, getting some sort of meaning in your life. A lot of people try to find too much meaning in things that isn't there. I think meaning um, with reference to responsibility is a good ah, one. Okay, so, yeah, um, a sense of meaning um, derived from some responsibility. I think this area that we live in, the Muet. <laughs> the Muet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this area of Pretoria that we live in, it, it's it's always been very dear to my heart. Same. I'm very patriotic about it. Yes. <laughs> very patriotic about it. And the reason for that is, is not, you know, there's a, a lot of culture that comes with this area, which I'm not going to get into <laughs> right, right now. But I normally would drive through here and I would think this is the most beautiful place in the world. It's got a certain type of magic to it, yes. Everybody's hometown will have magic to them. Sure. In the sense of, I've, I've been all over the world. I've been on islands. I've been at sea. I've been in different countries. I've seen different cultures. And I've been all around South Africa as well. But when, I come, when, you, when you go to your hometown and you drive and you see where you grew up, things you did at certain little places it's yeah. also it's a visual it's a visual reference point to normally what you would think about in your mind right you actually got a visual reference point like for instance if i drive past the mcdonald's remember the, the odds and ends shop oh yeah and then yeah. i would and then i would walk here in your house and then i would see that little envelope opener i got you oh yeah i still have that yeah uh, and i got that at odds and ends yeah. and you know it's it's good memories and it's good it's good to think about where you were and what you did at certain points in your life it's and a physical re um revisiting of the past yeah it's like a it's like a physical em embodiment of what would you sometimes think about? <laughs> right, exactly. Yes, that exactly, yes. So, if you mm -hmm. could sum up um, our friendship. Yes, okay. So, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm nearing the end of this podcast. Cool. But if you could sum up our friendship through all of these years, what mm. would you say... You know, it was one of the most prominent things that kept our friendship alive. Because we've discussed a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've discussed a lot of elements yeah. in a person's emotional journey, physical and all of those things. Um, and there's not a lot of people in my life that I have known for 24 years. Same. That's Same. not family. You know? right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not family, but... You know, that, that's a lot of factors that can change friendships and can change people's lives. And what would you say was the most prominent thing that kept our friendship alive? Man, wow. Kind of have to think deep on this one. I think the first thing that comes to mind is both 
not the fear of change, but embracing the change both in yourself and the other. Constantly. Yes. Constantly. Uh, yeah. Because I think people grow apart when either they um, resist a change in someone else. You've changed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're supposed to. We're supposed to grow and develop. Um, but I think that was it because we've lost contact many a time. Sometimes yeah. for years on end. Yeah, well, there were then, gaps. There were gaps. And then kind of just picking up where we left off. So I think that was it. Kind of not being... Um, Afraid or because you know I went through a lot of phases. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's not just not f- fearing a change in the other person, but embracing it. That was a big part of it. It is comforting, but I think I think um, if I could say, you know, what kept our friendship is like I think we both acknowledged who we are. Mm-hmm. So I acknowledged you as who you are. Right. And that, that made it easy to embrace any change of you because right. I know yeah. who you are at your core, basically. Right. I know yes. who you There was a common thread, obviously. The person, yes. uh, some sort of common thread, yeah. And not only I, I was there during your fundamental childhood upbringing, right. Right. but I always, had, I always know who you were. And through all of the years, you didn't change in a sense of that core values. Same person, different set of clothes, basically. Yes. Your, your core, the, that core values you talked about. Right. I knew I could always rely on that. Right. And trust it. Yeah. And I think that's also a giant thing, you know, like uh, people struggle to trust each other. Mm. In a sense of yes. not trust you with my car this weekend, mm. but trust you with my emotions. Right. And I don't with think, who you are. And a lot of people, I don't think friends, a, a lot of friends are open with each other how they feel about certain things a lot of people would rather keep quiet to avoid a a quarrel especially guys to be yeah. honest with you like especially guys i think you're no yeah. homo. <laughs> you <know? laughs> you're right exactly so i mean something to be worked on i think but yeah i mean it does have a lot of value i think just um to to finish this up I think a lot of people just need to be patient, Mm -hmm. learn from the past, Mm -hmm. and let go of what doesn't bring you any value in your life. Right. Whether it be emotional, physical, whatever value it might be that you connect value to. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't bring you any value, you must learn to let go. It doesn't matter because a lot of people have no, no friends for... 20 odd years but they don't bring any emotional value to them they just struggle Mm. to let go of those people because i know them for 20 years yeah stuck in a rut basically but Mm. sometimes you need to let those people go in order to move on absolutely so here's a good starting point be get to know yourself a bit better take some time make a conscious effort to get to know yourself better determine what your let's call them highest values are what it is about yourself and what you believe in that you really cherish and that you hold dear. Once you get to know yourself, set those values in order and decide to live your life by those values. Change what needs to be changed. Um, Add some new ones if need be, but stay true to who you are. And that's kind of fixing the past, if you will. That's kind of addressing the past. They're very much summed up. But then I would add to that, 
don't be afraid to embrace the unknown for the future. Mm. We tend to want to control every single outcome that the future might hold. But look, you can only judge the future by what you've suffered in the past. And again, if you do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, if you're going to be following the same methodology, the same recipe that you have been following in the past, the future is not looking any different. So get, get a sense of peace within yourself and then embrace the unknown of the future. Because look, if you look back at your life, everything great that happened used to be an unknown. And you surrender to that just a good place in your life, a good sense of being, I would say, sticking with your values as far as possible, most likely. And that ended up being an amazing memory now. So do the same thing. Surrender to your highest values that you hold dear now and then surrender at the same time to the infinite possibilities that the future might bring. Guys, we aren't professors. No. <laughs> we aren't authors. Nope. We aren't, you know... Experts, basically. Experts <laughs> on anything. Nope. I just want to remind everybody, we're just two guys with emotions and feelings and... You know, and we try to make sense of it in this weird world we live in. Yeah. And I would just like to remind everybody, we, we, we just give, we, we just try to give advice on what we feel and whatever works with you, with you will work and whatever doesn't, don't listen to us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, this has been our experience. If you find some value in this, great. Yes. Run with it. If not, just chuck it out and then do don't, it there. Delete your phone. Yes. Well, no, don't delete. Don't delete your phone. <laughs> no, delete your phone. I'll be you a don't trick. want to listen to this podcast again. <laughs> but thank you very much, Rainer, for joining me again in this uh, journey. Always a pleasure. And um, this is um, us signing off, and I will hope to see you guys in the next one. Absolutely. Goodbye, Rainer. Bye. <laughs>